This is Madeline. And this is Cami. And you're listening to the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 35. And we have a special guest here with us today. Yes, we do. We have Jenny Dietrich who will be sharing her insights into blogging. It is not dead. That's right. This is part of our series on how to grow and monetize your business by providing huge value to your online community. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? This episode is brought to you by the Communities That Convert Facebook group. Come join us in our private group because it's the place where we continue the conversation from here. All you have to do is go to Facebook and look up Communities That Convert and look for the groups, or you can go directly there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Communities That Convert. And be sure to use our secret word, action. Yeah, action. Jenny is the Chief Executive Officer at Armit Dietrich, Inc., a virtual PR firm headquartered in Chicago. She is the inventor of the Peso model, which you might have heard of. I was actually in a meeting the other day and they started talking about it and telling and like teaching me about it. I was like, oh, yeah, uh huh, yeah, I know about that. The agency educates PR pros and evolves the industry. She's also the author of Spin Sucks, a popular PR blog that honestly I've been reading for how long has that been open now, Jenny? Oh, uh, 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like about how long I've been reading it. So 12 years (laughs) and we've grown old together. I love it. Anyway, she's an old friend of mine as well. And we're really, really excited to have her here on the podcast. Welcome, Jenny. Jenny. I like watching you guys do that intro. (laughs) We're on video right now, so I can see you doing that. It's kind of fun. I was trying not to laugh. (laughs) Uh, That's okay. We always like laughing in our intros. (laughs) Sometimes I even sing in our intros. So. Oh man, I missed that. Feel free to chime in. So, you know, I am going to start with the obvious question, which is why do you like blogging still after 12 (laughs) years as a marketing tool? Because I know a lot of people are really falling out of love with blogging in lots of ways and they stopped blogging, but you definitely haven't. You still get great comments on your blog. You have a lot going on there. So can you kind of just give us your reasoning behind why you continue blogging as a marketing tool? Yes. I think it's two things. Number one, it's a creative outlet for me and it's become habit. So, you know, I have an English degree with a minor in creative writing. So it kind of goes along with that. And I have created a job that allows me to do that, which is amazing. But also, I mean, it's become its own brand and it's become this big thing and people expect Mm -hmm. it. So it's sort of like the daily newspaper. They just sort of expect to get it. And Trust me, there are days where I sit here at five o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, I just want to go back to bed. But I keep pumping it out because it is expected. And I think that's I mean, that for sure motivates and, and drives it. But the creativity piece of it does as well. So how has blogging changed over the years? <laughs> well, good question, right? <laughs> you know, I did a podcast interview a couple of weeks ago and they they asked me if if I would recommend people start out with blogging today, and I would not. And the reason being is because there's just so much out there. And it's 
a huge undertaking. I mean, it's 25 hours a week of my own time on Spin Socks, and I have a staff of four that supports the blog, you know, and all the stuff that we do with it, of course. But it's a huge undertaking. And I think there are probably today, if you're starting out, there are much better ways to get your brand out there and build awareness and credibility and all those things. I mean, video is probably the number one. and We rarely do any of that. Facebook Live, you know, Instagram stories, that kind of stuff, I think is far more valuable. So it's definitely gone from nobody knew what they were doing to hitting critical mass to becoming too much. But for those of us who have stuck with it, I think we still see value in it. And it's by far our number one converter for sales, by far. There's nothing else that does as well for us. And that's, I mean, that's a really interesting thing you're saying as far as like saying people shouldn't do it anymore. I know that part of the things that you preach, and this is maybe a little bit of a follow-up to that question, is really around the SEO value Mm -hmm. or search engine optimization value of blogging or at least online content. So how do people get that SEO though, if they don't blog? Well, (laughs) that's a good question. Yeah, I think there are different ways that you can do it. You still have to have a living, breathing website. And so frequently asked questions, a media room, you know, having video on there, those are all things that can be optimized, white papers, eBooks, things like that, that aren't necessarily, you know, in your navigation as blog, and then you're having to do it once a day or once a week or every two weeks or, you know, on that consistent time schedule, you're doing content on your own time schedule that works for your audience, not because some expert out there said you have to blog three times a week. So I think there are ways that you can still do content marketing that doesn't necessarily have to be a quote unquote blog. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a really interesting point that you're making there. So, I mean, as far as that goes, what do you tell your clients that they need to do to get to that point? Because what we're talking about today is really about how we can get conversions to happen on a website or on a blog, especially. And you're talking about how yours has converted so well for you. And I know it has. I mean, you know, it's carried your company. It's carried a lot of things that Mm -hmm, you've done. mm -hmm. So how do you really recommend that people start to bring that kind of content strategy into that conversion story? We always start with owned media. So content marketing. And Cammie, you mentioned the peso model. You know, people say to me all the time, why does it start with P when paid is one of the last things that you do as a communicator. Well, the reason is because nobody can remember OESP, which is the order I would put it in. Well, and a peso right? is money. Thank you. Okay. Peso, wait, I... peso you can do <laughs> and it's money. Like people know how to, you know, it's something that they can remember. So it's peso for that reason, but we always start with owned. And that's one of the things we do with our clients is we look in and see, you know, what kinds of things work for their audience? What kinds of things are competitors doing? What kinds of things do they pay attention to? And we do a lot of B2B. So in our cases, it's going to be white papers and technical brochures and things like that, which are you know not super exciting or sexy, but that's what works. Whereas a blog doesn't necessarily work. We have a, one specific client who started out blogging and it just was not working and they tried everything and we worked with them to try everything. And they switched it to a video newsletter and it just, I mean, the next day it started converting. It was crazy. And it was the same content. It was just that it was video instead of written. And so it made it easier on them too, somewhat. I mean, if, way if they easier. have that. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Like another question I have about video, this is something I, I kind of want to put to you and I'm throwing these things out here. But what if I do a video, should I also transcript that and put it on a page of my website? Absolutely. I mean, that stuff can be optimized too. So actually I just did a, I just read in Vox, Ezra Klein did an interview with Mark Zuckerberg about P 
Cambridge Analytica stuff. And he, it's a podcast, but then he transcribed the whole conversation. And at the bottom, he says, you know, this was transcribed with slight edits just for clarity and, and flow and all of that. But he definitely transcribes it and it's optimized and has links and all those kinds of things. So yeah, you for sure should be doing that. And you can do that really easily. There's free services. I think even Google has a free service that you can transcribe your video and then go in and clean it up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another way to do it, I guess, without going for a full blog. Because some people might say, I don't want to do that. And if you do want to do a blog, what do you really recommend people do today? I mean, if somebody says, I'm really a writer, I love to write, mm-hmm. I really want to do a blog. Could you give us some tips too on like how you can move forward with that in today's age? Consistency, consistency, consistency. If you, you know, if you decide that that's what you're going to do, then choose a day of the week or days of the week or day of the month that you're going to do it and be consistent. Because what happens is people subscribe to the blog, for instance, they have it in their RSS or in their email. And then you go two months without sending them anything. And then when you do, they're like, what is this? And why am I getting it? And where did this come from? And they're not, you haven't become top of mind for them yet. So it's the consistency piece of it. It's making sure that they get something immediately when they sign up or subscribe. And it's really taking a look at the kinds of things that your audience is searching for. So the questions that they would ask to try to find you, the challenges that they're having, the you know issues that they need solutions for, and creating content around that, then you'll be found in Google search results. You'll be optimized to death. You'll start to have, build that consistency so that you can build credibility and start to convert from content. And, and what would you say is the minimum amount of time that somebody should you know, do this? I mean, every day or like, I know consistency is important, but how often? I don't think it has to be every day. You know, there's lots of case studies. Andy Crestedine is a great example of this. He only blogs twice a month and you get an email from him and you know that, I mean, the organization that he runs blogs every day, but he himself only blogs twice a month. And you know, when you get the newsletter that it's going to be really good because he spent you know, 20 or 30 hours putting a piece of content together, which is what I spend as well, but I'm doing it every day and he's only doing it on one piece of content. So he has really good results from that. I have another client who blogs only once a month, but same thing. He spends 80 hours on it. He does a ton of research. It's very, very fact-based and well-researched and he generates a ton of business from it. So it's really not about quantity and it's more about the quality. Awesome. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest advantage of blogging with all these other channels out there? And you were talking about those before. What would be the biggest advantage? Hmm. This is an easier question to answer five years ago. I do think that it, I mean, it's easy to optimize for search results from that perspective because the things that Google values comes easily in blogging. So the link backs and the anchor text and the external links and all that kind of stuff, that stuff is valued highly by the Google spiders. And so from a blogging perspective, you are found in search results. But I also think it allows you to think through issues and think through solutions and provide your best thinking. And so people then can see that's how they think. That's what they do. I really like that or I really hate that, which is okay too. So it kind of provides that credibility that you need. And it, it also puts a human behind the brand. You know, it's not, and certainly video and podcasting do that as well but it allows you to start to have a voice as an organization versus just being this stodgy old corporation. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that happens a lot. And one of the things I think is really interesting that you've done in addition with your blog is that you also are using other 
social mm-hmm. media and media channels. And what I really want to bring up right now is Slack, because I think Slack is another th- channel that you've used to great effect. And I think with your blog, so could you talk a little bit how you're using Slack, which is basically a messaging app with your blog to really drive, well, conversions A, but, but B just engagement. I think that some of that engagement you're getting is yeah. coming from that channel yeah. too. So yeah. Tell us about Slack. Um, I can't remember when it was that Mark Schaefer wrote the content shock blog post. Was it 2014 or 2015? Yeah. Whenever it was, I think it was three or four years ago. Whenever it was, that's when we started. I think across the board, we all started to see comments declining and social engagement declining. And, you know, there's part of you that's like, okay, well, it's happening across the board. And so that's just the way it is. And, you know, if we get a few comments, that's great. And if we get some retweets and some shares, that's great. But that's just how it's working. I don't really like that answer. And so I started to look for other ways to engage this community because we had built a really vibrant community and we knew that they hadn't gone away. They just were in different areas. And so we started using Slack internally as a you know messaging board and document sharing and a water cooler and all that. I mean, some of the conversation we have in there is not appropriate to share publicly, but... <laughs> You know, I I thought there has to be a way that we could translate this. And I had this theory that people were still commenting and engaging, but it was in private Facebook groups and it was in LinkedIn groups when they still existed. And, you know, it was in the quote unquote dark social media places. So I had this theory and I was like, okay, well, let's test it. And so we introduced the Slack community and it was slow going at first because people kept going, what is this Slack thing? And why are you introducing us to this? And why can't we just go to Facebook? And my challenge with Facebook is, you can, and I think you guys will agree with this, you go to Facebook thinking you're going to go to the group and all of a sudden 20 minutes have gone by and you're like, why was I on here? <laughs> and you, oh, yeah. then you close Facebook, right? You close Facebook and five minutes later, you're like, you remember, oh, yep. I didn't go to the group. Well, with Slack, it's a desktop application. You don't have any other distractions. And so I really like it from that perspective. And I wanted to see if we could build engagement and community there. And we have. And I think the really interesting thing about it is the conversations are deeper and more thoughtful and more respectful than they are on the other social platforms. One reason, because you can't be anonymous. It's impossible for you to be anonymous or fake, but also because it's private or you have the idea that it's private. And so you're willing to spend a little more time sort of thinking through and debating and having professional discourse and those kinds of things. So it's been a really interesting test. It was, we launched it last February. So it's been a little more than a year, but it's been really interesting. And I would say that we haven't, it didn't start to really bubble and boil until about a month ago. So it took a year of people kind of just checking it out and we had to keep seeding conversations and it's now starting to to bubble a little bit on its own, which has been fun. Yeah. And has that led to any kind of future, like business opportunities or things that came up out of that, that you think that it was worth for that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we have the free community and that has about a thousand people in it. And we have the PR dream team, which is a paid membership, but it still, it's also on Slack from the free Slack community to the PR dream team. The conversion is 40%. There is no way I could convert just blog commenters to something paid a monthly membership at 40%. There's no way it just would not happen. So we've sort of figured out this you know, get people engaged in something and start to feel like they can't live without it and then say, take it up this next level. And, you know, it's $59 a month, but you get all these other things. And the conversion rate is gigantic from that. 
And then from the PR dream team, I have a mastermind and the conversion rate from that. I'm very, very picky about that. And I hand select people, but the conversion rate from that is 32%. So again, like those conversion rates are unheard of, especially in internet marketing, where before they would have been one or two, maybe 3% would have been the highest. I have a question. When you were talking back a few years back about comments on the blog Mm -hmm. and we started seeing a big changes with that. And some of these companies and people were turning off comments and did away with that. Oh, what was your yes. thought on that? Because it was really interesting. It was kind of like this big debate to keep them on or to keep them off. I am of the keeping them on belief because my belief is that as the blogger, you start the conversation, you put your thinking out there, but your thinking is never, I mean, there's always several sides to a story there's always different ways of thinking about things. So I'll always put something out there. And then, you know, the comments that people leave are like, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. And I actually wrote a blog post two weeks ago about blog commenting and why it's down and that I believe that it's just switched from, you know, commenting on blogs to dark social. And we've certainly seen some of that. But some of the comments that we got both in public on our public Facebook page, and then in a couple of or private Facebook groups, and then in Slack have been, well, actually, it's a few things. Number one, it's really hard to comment on mobile. Number two, I can't remember my login for Disgust or whatever commenting platform Mm. you use. Number three, I don't like my boss seeing that I'm commenting. Number four, I don't really have anything to add to the conversation. And number five, nobody responds to me. So why why would I leave a comment on your blog if you're not going to take the time to respect the fact that I have spent my time with you? Which has always been my big thing with it. If you're going to have blog comments, then you should at least thank people for stopping by your home and leaving their thinking. And people don't do that, which I think is part of the reason we've built such a big community is because my husband makes fun of me. He's like, you know, you don't have to respond to every single person. And I'm like, yeah, I actually do. (laughs) So even internally in our house, it's that big struggle. Right. And I'm going to say this. I mean, really, I'm, I'm actually looking at that blog post you're talking about right here you know, you just still get tons and tons of comments on your content whenever you put it out there. Are you kind of sharing that in the Slack community and other places? And of course, you're emailing, I'm certain as well. Yeah, it goes in um, as well if people have signed up for it. But why do you think that beyond obviously that you comment back, but why do you feel like comments still happen in certain places, but not in others? You know, it's funny you say that because we used to get three or 400 comments and now we get 20. How many are on that one? 30? I can give you it in a minute, but yeah, somewhere in that yeah, range. I mean, no, it was 55 actually. But 55? Yeah. Wow. That's actually for us. That's that, today in today's world. That's a lot. I mean, it used, was 12 to, days it used ago. to be three or 400 comments every day. And it, we'd never get to that anymore. But the conversations are happening in Slack and in on Facebook. I took over our Facebook page two weeks ago. And instead of sharing the blog post, I ask a question that leads to what the blog post is about. And then I add the link in the comments and it has skyrocketed. I mean, the insights, engagement and reach on Facebook are crazy just from doing that one little thing. Crazy. I'm actually gonna write a blog post after it's been a month so I can share insights, but it's crazy, crazy, crazy. So I think, I think it's a couple of things, you know, we have spent a really long time building community and we've tried really hard to meet people where they are and eventually bring them back. You know, it's just testing, it's trial, it's trial and error, it's figuring out, you know, what works and what doesn't and being willing to take the risk. 
Yeah. And I'm, we're big on action. I mean, that's really, I think, you know, doing tests and figuring things out are really important. And, you know, I, I found that too, Jen, Jenny, that when I put out c- questions out there, like the one that I was telling you that you and right. I got reconnected right. on, it was just a question and nothing else. And I wasn't trying to like, you know, fish Facebook users to get like my stats up. I was really, truly just asking a question to find out where people were on a topic. And I think people can kind of sense where you're at with that. You know, I've seen a lot of questions out there that you can tell, like, what's your favorite (laughs) ice cream flavor or something, you know, or like, if you had to give up one thing, what would it be? I mean, these are all very spammy feeling to me. So I'm not sure how much longer even questions will work because, you know, the algorithm may not reward them that much longer. But I do feel like that we do have to try these things. And I know that Madeline's a big proponent of that too. So she's done a lot of really great stuff around that lately as well. And I I think that that's just really the thing to do. Madeline, you put a whole course together in the last month just based on people and what they said to you online, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I you know, do two Twitter chats each week and I do a live stream after each one. And just seeing that women are not comfortable on video. They're just not comfortable being on video, especially live video and paying attention to this, talking to them. I realized that I need to provide a program to help them. And just from experimenting and trying it out, it's been a huge success. And now I'm off to do like a whole nother group of students. And it's just amazing. Like just, you know, paying attention, listening to what people are saying, watch what they're doing and acting on it. That's pretty interesting. So speaking of that, we usually have an action step that we ask people to take. I'll come back and ask how to get in touch with you, but you said you'd put together some ideas for an action step. So do you want to share with us an idea? Can I have more than one or do you want? No, one. one. I think, I think, (laughs) you know what? You're a CTA girl, you know, call to action. One call to action. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many, especially after this conversation. I really think that if you're to do one thing, it's to create content that speaks to your audience. So figure out what it is that they're searching for, figure out the questions that they need help answering, figure out what their issues are. And it's not hard to do. I mean, number one, ask them, sit with your customer service team and ask them what questions they're getting with the sales team and ask them what questions they're getting in, in new business meetings, go out on sales calls with the sales team. It depends on what kind of business you're in, of course, but it's not hard to figure out what people are trying to solve when they're looking for you and then create content around that. Cool. So what kind of content that do you think they what, should create? What kind what one piece of content, maybe a video? Cause hey, we I would do video. video. Yeah, I think I would. I mean, it's, it's something like, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it's, it's more than 60% of human beings are visual learners. So giving them video and then, you know, do the captions on it so that if people are not, don't have their volume on, they can still watch and, and see what it's about without having to listen because a lot of people do it at work. But I think video is the place to start if that's where, if, that, if you don't have anything going yet. There's one other place that um, I've heard you say this before, so I'm sort of fishing for this answer. But one of the things that I've heard you say before that I think is really interesting is to guest post on somebody else's yes. blog. So yes. can you talk about that just a little bit? Because I do think that's another way to answer those questions and then get placed somewhere. So can you talk about that for a minute? I mean, the, the only way you're going to increase the domain authority of your website, which is the authority or the credibility of your website, the only way you're going to do that and get the links back to your website 
is to have other websites linking to you. That's the only way. So either you can wait until you do something fabulous or something horrible and they, you know, they start to, to link to you that way, or you can be proactive about it and go to the inks and the entrepreneurs and the fortunes of the world and the spin sucks of the world and, you know, blogs in your industry and say, you know, I have a perspective on this topic. May I write some content for you? And, and spin sucks does take contributors. Yes, you do. (laughs) So Speaking of that, is there something that you're working on right now that we can highlight for you here in this podcast that you pe- want people to know about and learn about? Maybe the... I mean, yeah, the Slack community, it's free. We're we're growing. We're, you know, it's really fun. We have really fun conversations in there. We have really smart conversations in there. Today, we, we talked about the um, Sinclair Broadcasting Group that made 190 of their news anchors read the same message about fake news <laughs> on, on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a whole conversation about that. We've been talking about Michigan State. So there's a lot of really interesting, thoughtful conversations that happen. And how do they get onto that platform? Spinsucks.com slash Slack group. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes so everybody can check that out. Yep, we will indeed. And then let's talk about other ways people can get in touch with you. What are the other ways you want people to get in touch with you? Spinsucks.com is the easiest. Everything's there. Twitter, Facebook, everything. You can find it all right there on the homepage. Yep. And you definitely need to go there. Cause I mean, that's, they have some great conversations there. And if you're into communication or you have, you're a business kind of person and you're looking to promote yourself online, spin sucks has really consistently had high quality content for year upon year upon year. So it's a great place to go and get the information that you need. Thank so you. you're welcome. It's been so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my on gosh. And it's my pleasure. Us. I got to hang out with you guys for an hour. It's awesome. Yay. Thanks Jenny. Hey, this is Madeline, and I want to let you know you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode, and we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar, that's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R, and also to Cami. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat, and that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cammie through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Communities That Convert.